Good morning. Thanks for being here this morning. We've got lots of folks that are traveling and uh, some that are not feeling well this morning, And uh, but I'm glad you're here. I think some probably heard I was preaching and so they made plans to be other places, but we'll see. Colossians chapter 3 is our subject, and we've been talking about Colossians for about four or five weeks. Last week we took a break and we jumped and we talked about the book of Philemon. And we learned that uh, this uh, brother Philemon had a servant named Onesimus, and Onesimus was in Rome with Paul. And Paul wrote four books while he was there in Rome. He wrote this book to, to the Colossians. He wrote the book to the Ephesians. He wrote the book to Philemon, or the letter to Philemon, and he wrote a book to the Laodiceans, which we don't have in our Bible today. And he said in those letters, take them back and distribute them amongst yourselves and read them so the churches would share those letters and they would read those letters. And we've entitled the lesson of this morning about uh, rules for the uh, Christian household, or rules for our household. And those rules are found in the book of Colossians that we've been studying. They're found in the, the tail end of Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to tell you, for years I have thought about these passages a little different than I now believe and think about them. And part of that's because of some studies that I've done. But I don't believe that the focus of Colossians chapter 3 and these verses we're going to read was on the home. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Although it talks about husbands and wives and children and kids and all of that. I don't think that was the focus of Paul. And I'll tell you why here in a little bit. We're going to do a little bit of a review on Colossians and kind of set the landscape real quick because we've got some that weren't here the whole time and because we talked about Philemon last week. And so I just want to kind of get us back uh, back on track. So rules for the Christian household. In chapter 1, Paul writes to these, uh, these brothers and sisters there at Colossae and he tells them about this person Christ. First of all, he introduces himself and he says, Hey, I'm thankful for everything that's been done there in Colossae. And he prays that they walk worthy and that they keep on moving forward in this vocation and this, this Christian life that they've called, been called to. He tells them and think, and tells them to thank God for this redemptive power that's been given to them. And then he goes on to talk to them about this Christ, this Redeemer. And how that this Christ both deserves to be worshipped, that He is God that came to earth, and that He deserves the proper place. He deserves to be preeminent in our lives. He deserves to be the central focus. He deserves to be the central character. He deserves to be that character that we worship. He is God. He is holy. He is dig- uh, uh, deity. Dignity. He is deity. He has dignity and He is deity. So he explains Christ's role as this exalted Redeemer. And then he says, this, this Redeemer not only redeemed me, but He redeemed the entire world. And He gave us this thing that's called the Gospel. And that Gospel is how we're reconciled to the world. And then Paul talks about his life and his ministry and his evangelism of this Gospel to the world. And that's where we end chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, he starts talking to us about some don'ts. There's some do's in there too, but it's primarily about things that we need to watch out for. He talks to us about these seductive influences and these false philosophies that they were encountering. You remember when I introduced Colossians, I used this big word, ascetism. 
And ascetism is just this concept of I am so focused on myself and my body that I'm, and I'm so proud of what I'm doing. So when you think about the, the, uh, almost said Philistines, the Pharisees, the beating of the chest and the, the, this, this attitude that they had, Ascetism was like monks or hermits, and they're just like, hey, I've got to get out of the world, and I've got to just focus. So people would cut themselves to try to bring their bodies in subjection, and it was all for show, and it wasn't to get their heart right. It was just this 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 thing that's called ascetism. And they talks about this here at the end of this chapter, and he says, don't be caught up in these philosophies. This is not what it's about. And so he talks to him about that. He talks to him about the reasons that they shouldn't be drawn away. He talks about the importance of the subject in the first seven verses. And then he talks about the reasons they should remain steadfast in 8 through 15. And then he talks about those specific areas and, and talks about ascetism and some of the other stuff. And he tells them to not be, not to allow themselves to be judged by this old law and all these, these, these philosophies that were wrong. And then he exhorts them and he says, don't even touch this stuff. Don't taste it. Don't be a part of it. Keep it out of your lives. It's that important. Stay away from it. Get away. And then in chapter 3, he starts talking to us about focusing. And he talks to us about setting our affection on things that are above. We're to be dead to sin. We're to be risen with Christ. And Brother Luke talked to us about this putting on of Christ, this uh, putting on of the new man. And there's a lot of stuff there in chapter 3. And then in verse 18, he starts talking to us and he starts talking about wives and he starts talking about husbands and he starts talking about the home. But I want you to recognize that he's really talking about this stuff. He's really talking about how do I put on this new man. And so we talk about all the time, what are the practical ways that I do X? Chapter 3 is, that's all it is, is practical ways to keep focus. In business, we talk about a yonder star. And I don't know if that came out right, but uh, when the roll is called up yonder, we sang that last week, that's yonder, yonder star. It's this, it's this thing, this, uh, they call them BHAG goals, this big, hairy, audacious goal that I've got for myself, right? This yonder star, this thing that drives me. I do everything in life to get to this yonder star. That's what he's talking about right there. Set your affections on things above. He wants us to set our affections on heaven. And because our affections are set on there, everything we do in our life is driven to get to that big, hairy, audacious goal of heaven and being with Christ and being with God Almighty and being with the Creator of the world. So that's what he's talking about here in chapter 3, and we'll get back to that. But let's go ahead and jump into verse number 18. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of the heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for your, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. 
Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. That's verses 18 of chapter 3 all the way through verse number 4 of, of, uh, or verse number 1 of chapter 4 of Colossians. So what he's saying there is he's telling the wives what to do. He's telling the husbands what to do. He's telling the kids what to do. He's telling the employees what to do. He's telling the employer what to do. He's saying, hey, if you're an, if you're an employee, don't do it half-heartedly. Earn your pay. Do what you're supposed to do as a servant uh, for your employer. As a master, treat your employees fair. That's the first verse of chapter 4. So he's talking about how we interrelate to each other. Now that doesn't lessen the importance of the fact he's talking about marriage and he's talking about the home and we're, we're going to get back to that. But I just want to make sure we've got that verse in context because as you're reading through Colossians, it seems like, man, this should be a chapter in its own. It's kind of out of place. He just all of a sudden starts talking about the home. Why is that? Well, it's because he's talking about practical ways to get to the yonder star. And one of the things that we need to do as a practical way to get to the yonder star is love our wives and wives need to submit to their husbands. So I want to make sure we've got it in the proper place. It is important, but it's not the most important. And I'll show you some verses that I think explain that for us. So let's jump over to Ephesians chapter 5 and start in verse number 22. Parallel passage. Remember, he wrote to the Colossians and he wrote to the Ephesians. He sent the letters at the same time. They were to share them. Same, same stuff is going on over in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 22 beginning. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let his wife see that she respect her husband. I want us to pay attention to verse number 32 because I think this helps us put it in context. I'll highlight that for you. He says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. He said, don't let me get you confused here. I'm not talking about the home. I'm talking about Christ and the church. And I'm talking about the way the home is designed to reflect that relationship. So does that put it in some importance for you? So when he starts talking about this, he's saying, I've got a plan and I've had it since Genesis. Highlighted or not highlighted, but capital letters. That's a quote out of Genesis where it tells us that we're going to leave our parents and we're going to come together and we're going to become one flesh when we get married. We're going to become one. And he says, I speak to you about this mystery. He's not talking about the mystery of leaving your father and mother. They've been marrying since Genesis. There's no mystery in marriage. He's talking about this mystery that he is unfolding for us about how the home is a reflection or a type of of the relationship that Christ had with the church. 
So no different than the tabernacle was a type. No different than the sacrifices were a type. No different than all this stuff that we learned in the Old Testament were a type. Guess what? This thing I set up in Genesis, this marriage thing, it's a type. And it's a type of the relationship that Christ has with His church. And so, yes, it's important that we have good marriages. And yes, it's important that our marriage, that our home is of the right kind. But it's not for us. It's because our marriages are a type of the relationship from Christ to the church. And we're to take that and use that as an example to the world. The world should see our marriages and understand the same relationship that's going on. Look at the earlier verses here. Husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. You see, I've heard people say that, yeah, well, that doesn't work in our house. You know, the wife's she's she's leading our home. She's she's the smarter Christian. She's the smarter person. She's got the right personality. She's leading our home, and that's just the way we do it, and it works for us. That's not what that's asking. That's not what that's saying. It is saying that the husband is the head. And he is to lead that home. That's his responsibility because it mimics the relationship that Christ has with the church. So it's not an option. It's not our... We don't get to set up our homes as Christians the way we want to. The Bible tells us how to set up our homes because it's a type, it's a relationship, it's an example of the church's relationship to Christ. We don't get to just willy-nilly this thing and say, oh, whoever's the best one with math or can keep the checkbook or has the right attitude or any of that. We don't, we don't get those options. As Christians, we're told how to set up our home, and there's a reason for it. I've heard wives say, man, we have the hardest part. We have to be subjective to their husbands, and that's not my personality. It's not mine either, but guess what? If I get pulled over by a policeman, I learn how to be subjective pretty quick. If I'm standing in the president of my company's office, I serve at the pleasure of the president. I learn how to be subjective pretty quick. That's not my personality either. But look for us guys. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Ladies, you've got to be subjective. All we have to be is like Christ. Now, which one do you want? Because I can tell you that is hard. And there are days when I wish the relationship could be reversed. There are days when being the leader and being in the home and being the head, and I practice that at work and I practice that at home, and there are days when I would just like, man, somebody else make the decisions. I'm done. Too much pressure. Because there's an awesome responsibility to lead our homes And to do it in such a way that mimics the ultimate sacrifice that Christ gave for the church. He said He's going to present that church holy, pure, blameless, without spot. Husbands, it's your responsibility to present your homes that way. It's your responsibility to present your wife that way. Now you guys sure, ladies, you sure you want to switch? There's days when I'd like to. It's an awesome, it's a beautiful picture. It's an awesome responsibility for the men in the homes as head of the homes. That's the way Christ and that's the way Paul and that's the way the Almighty God wanted the homes set up. That's the picture He's given us here. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 7, He tells us this. 
But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about, cares about the things of the Lord, and she, that, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. So he tells us here, Paul, again, the same one that wrote Corinthians or Colossians, the same one that wrote Ephesians, the same one that talked to us about the home just a minute ago. He says, if you're going to get focused on the marriage and the home and each other, don't even get married. That's not what it's about. I want you focused on the Lord. I don't want you to have those distractions. And if the marriage relationship is going to distract you, don't even do it. So you see how he's trying to put this stuff in context, or I'm trying to put it in context for us like the Apostle Paul did? He said, marriage, don't even do it if it's going to distract you from your yonder star. If it's going to distract you from the things above, if it's going to detract, distract that focus, don't get married. I, he, said, I'm not, he, said, I'm, he said, I'm not telling you that as a command. I'm not leashing you to that. He said, but this is my advice to you. I'm telling you, don't don't even get married. So while our homes are important, there is a proper way to set them up. There's a proper focus to have in our homes. And it is on each other, but only secondarily to the relationship that we're to have with Christ, if that makes sense. That's what we should get out of all of that. Does that make sense? Is everybody head nod? Maybe? Yes? Kind of? Sort of. I need to go over it again. We can start over. All right. Let's move on. So Ephesians chapter 5. We just talked about the verses out of Ephesians, so we're staying in there for right now. At the very beginning of that chapter, in verse number 1, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. How do I do that, Lord? That sounds like that's pretty tough. Give me some practical ways that I can do that. Okay. Walk in love. Do not fornicate. Do not do unclean things. Do not covet. Do, do no filthy or foolish talking. No coarse gesturing. No bad jokes. No idolatry. Give thanks always. Don't listen to bad advice. So don't let your friends tell you that all this stuff is okay. Walk cautiously, not as fools. Redeem the time. Don't waste your time. Don't drink too much. Sing. Listen to Christian music. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. See the context? It's all about the yonder star. It's all about getting things in the proper order and doing the Christian things that we're to do in a very practical way. That's what he's telling us there in Ephesians. You say, well, what about, what about Colossians? That's where we started. Well, let's go back to Colossians. Colossians 3, seek those things above. Well, how do I seek things above? How do I look at that yonder star? What things do I need to do? Put to death fornication, uncleanliness, covenants, passions, evil desires, idolatry. Very similar to what we just saw in Ephesians, right? Put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. Don't lie. Put on Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing one another and forgiving one another. Put on love, 
Sing and listen to Christian music. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, don't stir up your kids. Listen to your boss. Bosses, take care of your employees in verse number four, in chapter number four. Now, does it make sense? He's, he's trying to put all this in context that yes, our homes are important, but it's only a small part of living the Christian life and it needs to remain in its proper place. We need to understand all of that before we actually start talking about the home. So that was the introduction. I'm hoping I've got everybody kind of. All right, so a good home. Wives submitting to their husbands and husbands loving their, uh, husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. If we do all of this because our motivation is we want to have a good marriage, that's what I'm trying to tell you. That's the wrong motivation. The right motivation is I want to show Christ to the world through my marriage. I've got a yonder star. I'm putting on a new man. And part of putting on a new man is doing these things. And part of setting my affections on things above is doing those things. The byproduct is going to be a good marriage. Because the husbands, if you're acting like Christ, and if wives, you're submitting yourselves to your husbands, it doesn't get any better than that. There's, there's, there's no way it can go south from there. Because if husbands are acting like Christ and wives are giving them the proper respect, done deal, check mark, it's going to be successful. <clears throat> All right, so let's talk about some individuals in the home. Husbands, the word means house band. So if you think about the husband, his duty, his responsibility, he's banding or binding or putting a band around the house, the home. It's his responsibility. He's got his arms around it. He's protecting it from outside influences and he's nurturing it inside. <clears throat> he's the head of the house. He's the lover, to be the lover of his wife. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, it tells us that as husbands, if we're not treating our wives properly, our prayers will be hindered. That if we don't have the proper relationship with our wife, our prayer life to the Lord is hindered. I can't tell you exactly what hindered means. I don't think that's a good thing, though. So have the proper relationship with the wife. Tells us to be the material provider. First Timothy 5 and verse number 8 says, If we're not doing that, that we've lost the faith. We're worse than an infidel if we're not providing for our family. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 18 tells us that everything that we've got, all the wealth that we've been able to accrue, comes from the Lord. And so if you've got any measure of this world's possessions that you count your own, and we've talked about that, right? They're not your own. But if you kind of count them, you know, all of us have to prepare a balance sheet and put assets. Well, not all of us, but some of us have to prepare balance sheets and put assets and liabilities and come up with a net worth for bankers. If you've ever bought a car, you do that. You may not know that's what you're doing, but they say, hey, what, do you, what, are you, what all do you owe? How much money do you make? And all they're doing is creating a balance sheet for you so that they can loan you the money to buy a car or to buy a house or to buy anything. Either You create a balance sheet. So we are always thinking about this, this, this wealth comes up, but again, put it in the proper place and recognize that as husbands, um, we're to provide for our family and that the wealth we do acquire on this earth is all given to us because of the Lord. So the wife, the word wife means weaver. And so if you think a wife, her duties and responsibilities are interwoven in the home. She's keeping the home. She's taking care of the kids. She's weaving it all together. 
underneath the band of the husband. She's to love their children and to be sensible and pure and a worker at home and kind, according to Titus chapter 2. <clears throat> Virtuous woman, Proverbs 31. I reread that this week, and we're going to read it real fast because we've got time and because I think it's so beautiful. Proverbs chapter 31 and verse number 10 beginning talks about this virtuous woman. And it talks about, it's a beautiful picture of, I don't know if it's the perfect wife, but I don't know how it could get much better. And so I thought it would just do us good to read through that real quick. And if you're a note taker and you're a, you're a lady and you say, hey, what are some practical ways that I can be a good wife? Hey, Proverbs chapter 10, perfect example. So how hard is it to find the perfect wife? She is worth far more than jewels. Her husband depends on her. He will never be poor. She does good for her husband all her life. She never causes him trouble. She is always gathering wool and flax and enjoys making things with her hands. She is like a ship from a faraway place. She brings home food from everywhere. She wakes up early in the morning, cooks food for her family, and gives the servants their share. She looks at land and buys it. She uses the money she has earned and plants a vineyard. She works very hard. She is strong and able to do all her work. She works late into the night to make sure her business earns a profit. She makes her own thread and weaves her own cloth. She always gives to the poor and helps those who need it. She does not worry about her family when it snows. She has given them a, she has given them all good warm clothes. She makes sheets and spreads for the beds, and she wears clothes of fine linen. Her husband is a respected member of the city council where he meets with the other leaders. She makes clothes and belts and sells them to the merchants. She is a strong person, and people respect her. She looks to the future with confidence. She speaks with wisdom and teaches others to be loving and kind. She oversees the care of her house. She is never lazy. Her children say good things about her. Her husband brags about her and says, There are many good women, but you are the best. Grace and beauty can fool you, but a woman who respects the Lord should be praised. Give her the reward she deserves. Praise her in public for what she has done. So when you think about that, man, there's a lot of good stuff in there. If If I was taking notes on how to be a virtuous woman there's a lot of things in there that we could work on so you might want to turn back to that and think about that and think about your life think about where your focus is and what you're working on parents first of all this is a this is a picture of little uh jason jones in the hospital that we've been praying for He's, uh, that was after his first chemo. That's my uh, office manager, and she's, we brought some toys over to little Jason, and she's playing with him. They said that was the uh, first time he had interacted with any of the visitors that had come over, so uh, they were thankful that we came to visit. So do keep uh, little Jason on your prayers. Uh, again, he's uh, going to have surgery uh, tomorrow. He's uh, in the middle of his second chemo, or, yeah, in the middle of his second chemo. He's got three more to go and a major surgery in January. I don't know. There's a there's a term for, is it something like distended or distis, something like that? The, 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 
the place that the mass is protruding out of his stomach is going down, so the chemo's working. So little Jason's doing a little bit better, but you can tell he's, uh, you know, he's being fed through a tube. He's getting really thin. And so uh, keep him in your prayers. Parents, um, Psalms 127, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It's vain to rise up early. It's vain to stay up late. What the writer is telling us there is what I've been trying to tell us all morning, and that is that unless the Lord is building our homes, unless He is the central focus, unless He is the reason, it's all in vain. It's worthless. It's going to get burned up. The Lord's got to be the the primary focus and the primary center of the home. In Psalms 127, I think it's either verse 3 or verse 4, it says, Children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. So our children belong to the Lord. They're given to us. They're a blessing to us. But those children are given to us as... uh, uh, and it tells us what to do with them. They're the Lord's, and He wants them in verse number, uh, chapter 6, verse number 4 of Ephesians. He says, raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's our duty as parents, is to bring those children up to love the Lord and to be involved in His kingdom. <clears throat> in Titus chapter 2 and verse number 4, it tells us to love our children. In Proverbs 13, it talks about disciplining our children. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it talks about teaching our children in the morning and the evening and during the day. And so we just, we're supposed to, we're supposed to teach them about the Lord and about their responsibilities to the Lord. <clears throat> children, obey the parents according to Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 20. Honor your parents, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 2. In 1 Timothy 5 says that, uh, that the children are to take care of their elderly parents. They're the first line of defense. I haven't yet figured out which one of y'all I'm going to live with when I get old, but y'all have got to, you guys have got to, I guess it'll be either, I don't know if it'll be the one I like the best or don't like the best. Y'all figure that out. So at some point, our parents get older and it's our responsibility to, to take care of them. Children are to obey the parents. A little picture of Kinley just about to bust out in a laugh there. And so that's the lesson of the morning. I I don't know how long I kept you. But I just wanted to make sure that we understand that, yes, the house is important. Yes, the household is important. Yes, we have roles. And we're told how to handle those roles. And we're we're to focus on doing those roles in a godly way. But we're never to put the home and the marriage and all of that above the yonder star which is getting to heaven. We've got to keep Jesus and the Lord as the primary focus. We've got to set our affections on things that are above. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I'll leave you with that. If there's uh, anyone that would like the prayers of the church or would like to uh, be baptized and become a member of the church to start on this walk, we offer those uh, opportunities for you if you'd come and sit on the front pew. Brother Luke.